Welcome to another episode at the Be Guided and Be Great podcast, where being intuitive is understood and being sensitive is a good thing. I'm your host, Kate St. Clair. I want to thank you for being here. This is our fourth podcast, I think. And, you know, my intention over the next couple podcasts is the first couple are going to be pretty well scripted. I don't want to ramble and get off course. I really want to give you guys good information. Um, so they're a little bit rigid at the beginning. And then I do freestyle at the end of all my podcasts. So, um, you know, thank you for being patient with me while I get used to this whole podcasting thing and really find my flow because I know sometimes it can be a little bit robotic as I find my way. But I'm excited. And I know I've gotten some great feedback and, uh, this, this podcast today is called 10 reasons. It's awesome to have a psychic child. Now this is about children, but you could be a 40 year old, a 50 year old, a 70 year old psychic child. And I hope that what we talk about today, you'll be able to see yourself within that, um, context of, um, the things you experienced when you were a kid no matter how old you are today. And if you can listen to this and you don't really relate to that, you know, if you're a parent, maybe you do see your your own children in some of the things we talk about today. So I want to give you some tools. I want to normalize this as much as possible because having a psychic kid is just as normal as having a chef for a kid or a, you know, musician as a kid or, you know, all the things people are born to do. Being psychic is no different than that. Um, so, you know, I, I was raised with one of my cousins was kind of a musical prodigy and, um, you know, he played Bach Beethoven at age four. And, um, you know, so the family had to adjust to his mu musical needs. Um, you know, they had to get the right teacher. They had to put him in the right programs. He graduated really early from high school, went to Juilliard at 16, I think. Um, so the family had to adjust to him and his needs because he was so musically inclined and having a psychic child is no different than, that the family needs to adjust to that. And it's a positive thing. And it's a, a beautiful thing. And so by the end of this podcast, I hope that you see that within yourself and or within your children, or child or society in general. Okay, let's get started here. Do you watch the dead files on the travel channel? Have you checked that out yet? Um, it's psychic medium, Amy Allen. It's, it's an incredible show. I mean, incredible. Um, I resisted watching it for a long time, mistaken that it was, that it really focused on dark stuff. Um, you know, I've spent a lifetime trying to crawl out of the dark stuff, <laughs> try to understand it so I can identify it so I can get away from it. Um, but I had a client that told me about it and she was very persistent. And so I did start checking it out and miraculously I started watching it at just the perfect time for my, myself and my own family's needs. But, um, Amy Allen's ability to explain the energy often in dark places brings clarity and that clarity is light right? When we know what we're dealing with, that's a positive thing. That's a beautiful thing. We can deal with that when we know what we're, what it is. Um, honestly, when I watch it, I still catch my breath when I see that there is a psychic, a psychic child in the home that's being targeted by the spirit or the energy of the house or the location. It makes me think of my own scary and confusing childhood. I think of the hundreds of clients that have come to me torn up and confused from a lifetime of not understanding what was happening to them. 
after my Ask a Medium shows, um, there's this one show in 2009. Um, afterwards, an 11-year-old boy named Christian approached me after the show. Um, and he said, sometimes I feel a presence when I'm home alone after school. And though he was brave, I felt his terror. You know, he didn't know what to do. He couldn't prove it to his parents. And um, they didn't feel the way he did, right? So he tried to be strong and deal with it himself. And, you know, I think he'd mentioned it to his parents, but, you know, when they were kind of rolled their eyes or shushed him away, he never did confide again, right? So I was able to tune in to his house and his location, and I said, you know, yes, it's a male. He is harmless, but he doesn't belong there. And I told him, I encouraged him to ask the angels to help get the ghost out. And it was so sweet because after I gave him instruction, his, he started, his eyes started to well with tears and he tried to fight them back because he was such a brave kid. Um, but because I was able to validate him, um, you know, he'd longed for somebody to believe him. He, he was seeing it, he was sensing it and that burden we feel when we can't confide and we sort of sit there scared and stuck and not knowing how to interact with these things or how to deal with them. And, um, you know, again, those tears just showed me that <laughs> people that need are waiting a lifetime to be validated. The tears come very quickly. Um, so he, you know, these were years of relief. I could see falling off of his shoulders, knowing that it wasn't dangerous and he had the right to make the ghost leave. And now he knew what to do in that particular situation to get rid of that ghost that was scaring him and making him uncomfortable. When Amy tells the parents on the dead files that the child is psychic, almost 100% of the time they begin to cry. They're not happy, and I get it, they're scared shitless, right? I had the exact same feelings, um, you know, with my own intuition. I, I'd suffered a lifetime with my own intuition and my own sensitivity, and nothing I said or did in my home was validated or supported. In fact, the family I came from called me big mouth. If I channeled something I shouldn't have, you know, psychic kids, oh, especially psychic medium kids, we just channel like stuff just comes out of our mouths. And often we have no control. We don't know where it came from. Um, and we get in trouble for it. You know, it felt like my family lived to prove how wrong I was rather than validate my predictions. I learned young to keep my mouth shut and keep everything to myself, though sometimes it was, you know, sometimes it does just come out. Silently, I was terrorized by the black cougars I told you guys about in the last episode, you know, when they swarmed my bed and my hallway. Um, and I told no one about the people that I saw at night in our home. And um, in the last episode, it recorded my grandpa's kitchen, my grand, my mother's kitchen, but the, my grandfather was actually sitting at my grandmother's kitchen most of the time. And I, you know, I just learned to keep my mouth shut and not address that grandpa was standing there. <laughs> A lifetime of silent suffering, of silent suffering motivated me to seek help. I tried to find help when I moved from Montana to New York city, from New York city to Seattle, in Oregon, I moved back to Montana um, I tried to find help when we lived in New England and really I had, there was absolutely no avail. There was nobody, um, to really help me understand what, what, what I was doing or what happened to me. 
And so all of this forced me, um, you know, I just, the, the last story I shared about picking up my daughter, um, cause I heard a voice say, pick her up and take her towards people. He's going to follow you. I shared that in episode three. Um, it was that moment that forced me to figure this out, which is what I've done. Um, since that day, it's been my mission, not only to understand how intuition works, but to teach you what to do with it. Um, so when you receive guidance, um, it's available to you. When you receive guidance, you'll know what to do with it. You'll know that it's guidance. You'll know how you got the guidance and you'll know what to do because guidance is often an action sort of moment. <laughs> and so when we get those in instructions from heaven, you know, from our birth guides, we'll be able to identify that and follow through with it. And it's just, it's, it becomes a natural language. It becomes a natural part of your day. It's not this big, huge, grand, um, theatrical thing that you need to know that that was guidance. It's very, it's as normal as me telling you, Hey, go sit over there, you know, so you just do if you want to, and why should you, and, and what have you, <laughs> if you have questions, why do I need to sit there specifically? You can ask this, all the silly questions in the world that you want to. Um, cause that's what, that's what the guides are there for. They are often happy to answer questions. The why I'm a big fan of why and guidance and our guides can answer that. So let's just get to some fundamentals here. Okay. What is intuition? Intuition is experienced through your clairs. So clairvoyance is clairseeing. Um, you know, so the people that see spirits and ghosts, that's through your clairvoyance. Um, clairvoyance is so natural. You don't even know you're doing it. Daydreaming is a form of clairvoyance. Um, I really learned how good I was at this, how skilled I was. Cause when my mentor told me I was really clairvoyant, I did not believe her. Um, but she said, you know, do a few, just, just kind of pay attention to what you do and you'll discover that you do it. And it was really vague instruction. But when I was in the car and I was in the passenger seat, my husband was driving. I would look at those dancers, you know, standing on the corner, throwing the advertisements around I would get this visual download of their lives. Um, I could see spirits around them. I could see what they like to do. I could see them in situations and the download was so three dimensional. I'd have to actually shake myself out of it. Right. And it looks like a fantasy. It looks like a daydream. That's how our clairvoyance works when we're trying to come up with art or we're channeling a new lamp or building a table, those visions that we see is our clairvoyance. Okay. Clear seeing. So the second way is through clairaudience, which is clear hearing. So I'm sorry, but we all have voices in our head. And the biggest one is our thinking voice. The second biggest one is our fear voice. You know, we can hear our mom's voices in our heads, our children's voices in our heads. There are voices in all of our heads. So this is like the most, this is the one nobody wants to admit to, but I'm sorry, everyone has voices in their heads. Um, and so when you're a little born medium, you have all kinds of voices in your head that you cannot control. And often it's all sounds like your thinking voice. So it actually takes time and a process to start to differentiate voices. So early in my career, let's just say early in my mentorship training, when I was trying to really get a grip of this, I was at the gym working out and I was on a machine and I heard a voice say, um, you know, my son is dead. 
And that's irrational because my baby boy was in the play area. Just, I could see him. He was just over there in the play area. So I took a stop and I scanned out and sure enough, there was a male ghost standing there. And, you know, I said something like, I'm sorry, I can't just go find your son. You're going to have to go find another medium to do more work (laughs) or whatever. But the point is, is that his voice sounded like my own thinking voice in my head. And it took a scan out to slow the information down to see that there was actually a ghost standing there in front of me. So thank God I am not one of these psychics that sees ghosts everywhere. I do, but I, I've, I have a very good skill and most psychics mediums, by the way, have a great skill to shut that down. I mean, especially if we come from childhoods where that's not welcome or encouraged, we, we do learn to shut it down. So we, we look away and, and we do go through our normal lives, trying not to see things. So that's what was going on in that moment where I could hear voices cause I didn't know I was, so I didn't have the ability to shut that down. But I did make that conscious effort at like age six to try to ignore spirits. So the point is, is that my, you know, our birth guides have different voices. When I'm a medium, people's loved ones have different voices and then there's tone, right? So early in my mentorship, I was trying to like connect with other intuitives and kind of find my tribe. And there was an event down in Denver. And so I asked my guides, you know, Hey, how's this going to go? And I heard my guide say, you're coming home or you're going home. And I took that symbolically like, Oh, you know, I'm coming home. I'm going to meet my people. It's going to be fabulous. Well, I was wildly pregnant on the drive down to Denver and I got into this building and I immediately started to, um, my panic attack started the minute I hit the door, (laughs) but (laughs) excuse me. I realized that the actual class was upstairs in this beautiful Victorian house. It was a lovely home, but our our lovely building rather, but the actual class was in this teeny tiny room and there was like 30 people and I was wildly pregnant. So I did not mean to offend the instructor, but I had to get up and I had to leave the building and I couldn't breathe. I was panicking. And then when I got to the front door and shut it behind me, I actually stopped panicking. So I got to the car. I called my husband. I was all pissed off and, um, I was pissed off at my guides. And I said, you know, what was that all about? And I remembered they told me I was coming home. So they were literal, (laughs) but, um, I did not have the skill to know tone because, um, that just takes time and skill to work with tone because, uh, you know, the instructions are, um, yeah, do that but actually your guide is kind of sarcastic, then maybe that's their way of kind of messing with you. Right. So guides are like people where they can have tones. And if you hear a message and you don't have the right tone, it could be the absolute wrong message. So clear audience, um, we hear everything from our thinking voice, our fear voice. And by the way, fear voice is just the, the most loud, even to this day when I'm afraid or scared of something, I'll have my birth guide. I'll ask her over and over, you know, yes or no. And sometimes I can't, my own fear voice is louder than her voice. So I'll have her stand in front of me and I'll make her shake her head. Yes or no, because, um, 
again, just that knowledge that fear voice is loud. Our thought voice is loud. We have spirit guides. We have ghosts. We have, you know, our loved ones on the other side around us. We have different guides. I mean, there are so many things we can hear multidimensionally. So, um, this is just something we need to do more research on and more study because everybody hears multiple voices, everybody. And we just need to make peace with that and start re we need to renegotiate that word, that term hearing voices, because it does not belong to just the people that, um, maybe hear scary voices, or maybe they're all hearing like scary voices that are actually scary things. And that's more the issue than the fact that they hear voices, <laughs> right? <laughs> so the third one is clairsentient. So clear feeling, that's what clairsentience means. So I always use this analogy that you're at an event or you're at somebody's home or kind of, you know, calm party and you're feeling perfectly fine. And then all of a sudden you don't, you feel panicky or angry or super sad. What that means is that somebody has walked into the room or somebody is now in your aura. And as a clair sentient, you've picked that up. And when you don't have boundaries and you can't control that about yourself, you're affected by it you know, wherever you go, grocery stores, banks, kids, schools, I mean, everywhere. So the moment I really realized this was, um, probably 2010, we had a family reunion in Lincoln, Montana, and I was fine. You know, the normal family was around, I was feeling fine. And then all of a sudden, um, the family's, uh, cousin walked in. So she was a woman that I didn't know. And, all of a sudden I kind of like fell over. I kind of crumbled forward and I felt really paralyzed and very sad. And she, I took a moment to scan out and she had walked in with like 20 entities, you know, ghosts and whatever else. And I had this vision of her driving a truck. And so I had to sit like that for like a half an hour. And then finally I got up and left the building and I asked somebody who that lady was. I didn't know she was a family cousin, but they told me she's a family cousin and she's a truck driver. And so that really validated what I just, what just happened to me over the last half hour. I didn't, I didn't know any of these things. I didn't know she was a cousin. I didn't know she was a truck driver. And I can put together that she probably feels very lonely and isolated being a truck driver. So that feeling of sadness and overwhelm, I mean, it, it all made sense to me. So you know, you don't know how clairsentient you are until you really start to pay attention to one minute you're feeling great and the next minute you're not. And why is that? It's because your clairsentience, your clear feeling, it's your, you know, especially if you have like no aura, you are affected by everything. Um, uh, when you have a healthy aura, that should give you a pretty good buffer to be able to endure other people, you know, other people aren't always happy. I mean, when I'm in a session with somebody, in fact, the more I love somebody and the more I want good things for them, I have to really work hard. I have to ask the angels. I have to ask the guides. I have to ask God. I mean, whatever it takes to put a wall between me and my client whom I care about, because I, I want to be clear for them. And if I'm pulling aura information, if I'm being too clairsentient with them, I'm not being clear, right? I don't need to feel their stomach ache to know that they have a stomach ache. <laughs> I could, so I have to really work hard. I have to tell the guides, get that off of me, you know, move that away from me. Um, so I stay clear. 
So that's, uh, that's another way that, um, our clairs help us bring in psychic information. So I, I teach students, a lot of them get really paralyzed where when I'm working with their skill and then maybe they're connecting to my grandmother who passed away from a stroke, they will get a headache. They will get that pain in their head, right? That's their clairsentient, um, letting them know how, you know, they don't know that consciously. They're just like, man, my head hurts, you know, my arm hurts. And then you find out somebody lost their arm. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous, but this is what we do. And I encourage my students to learn to slow that information down. So they know why their head hurts. Oh, it's because this person had a stroke. Okay. Now get that off me. You know, we don't have to live and suffer with other people's illnesses and, and ailments. And by the way, if you have a child or if you are super clairsentient and you have a sick person in the house, <sighs> I mean, A, good luck not getting sick. B, good luck trying to function, right? You know, like the whole gamut. That's their experience, not yours. And it does take some skill and some effort to get that energy off of you. So you can be really helpful to them if they need your help. The great thing about clairsentience is we don't, psychics don't need you to tell us how you feel, right? We can feel how you feel. So my son doesn't need to tell me I'm mad. You know, my daughter doesn't need to specifically say to me, I'm bored or I feel really disconnected because if I'm reading her or checking on her using my clairsentience, I can sense how she's feeling. And so I don't need a lots of language from them. They're, they're kids too. And it's hard for kids to know what they're feeling. And I certainly encourage them to explore what they're feeling, but clairsentience helps us not need words to know how each other are feeling. We just tune in through our clairsentience and we've connected. We know how each other's feeling. If I meet a friend and she's smiling, but, um, Oh, I sit down and I just feel super sad all of a sudden. I kind of know how to start the conversation or where to go with her. So she feels like it's okay for her to confide or, you know, get something off her chest or whatever. Um, I've shared the story about one time my son actually came in from playing with the neighborhood kids. He smiled at me and went upstairs and I just knew there was something very wrong. And so I was doing something. So I was kind of like, oh, he's okay. You know, he smiled, but my clairsentient was like, you know, all hands on deck. Something is very wrong. And so sure enough, I went upstairs to check on him and he's smiling. He's trying to be okay. And I'm like, nope, I've just, I know something's going on here. And sure enough, something horrible had happened to him. I mean, so horrible. He was actually trying to protect me, his mommy from the humiliation he'd just gone through. Um, so uh, again, that's clairsentient that let me know that something was wrong. I mean, my son smiled at me and my clairsentient let me know, nope, something is on red alert. He's not just sad, but you need to actually go take care of that. And the fourth clair is, it's called claircognizance. And this is, the meaning is clear knowing. Um, so this is the fastest form of psychic information. It just downloads, downloads, downloads. And to get my students and my clients to slow down their claircognizance is very hard. <laughs> this is where, you know, where you channel stuff and just stuff comes out of your mouth and you feel like you just put your foot in your mouth. Or this is where you just know, cause you know, cause you know, right. You don't know why, you know, but you know that, you know, and nobody can tell you different. And again, this is the fastest 
download of psychic information. It's, it, it can be the hardest one to a get control over and B to slow down. Um, because it just comes down, it comes in so fast, like the highest form of Wi-Fi or whatever. <laughs> um, you know the difference where it's just, it downloads so fast, you can kind of not even keep track of it. Um, angel beings are very claircognizant where they, you know, it's it's right in alignment with telepathy. I'm going to talk about telepathy in a moment, but claircognizance is that fast download, you know, because you know, because you know, you know, you just know that person is up to no good, or you just, the, it is snap judgment, which can be a, a good form of psychic information when it's not filtered through an ego or like a false judgment or, um, a bad attitude, I guess you could say, um, when we're clear and we're balanced and we're happy, a psychic that is in that state of mind and receiving clear cognizant information gets um, psychic information at the speed of light, you know, it's just so fast and you just know. <laughs> and finally, it's not a Claire, but I'm going to talk quickly about telepathy. Um, so telepathy to, in my experience, in my reality, telepathy is the most natural form of communication between being to being. Um, and so it's, I talk with my dogs, I talk with my kids, I talk with um, other beings where, you know, it's not going through clairaudience, like nobody's using their mouth, right? It's mind to mind communication. Um, my dog will come over and just look at me and I, he's telling me he needs water. <laughs> and I, I'm totally open to his communication. He's telepathic. So I, I don't, I don't need a lot of bells and whistles. He's letting me know I need to go potty outside. I need water. My daughter, my daughter, who's an angel being is, you know, mainly communicates telepathically to me because that's what angels do. Um, angel beings don't use words and their mouths. They are telepathic and every human being is wired to get telepathic information. It's not a big deal. It's the most natural form um, of communication be from being to being. Okay. Um, my first real like aha experience with telepathy was, um, I can remember the moment so clearly I, my daughter was three. I was pregnant with my son and I went to the accountant at tax time. And when I walked into the office, there was nobody there, but I heard the receptionist say, Oh, I'm just going to pretend to be really busy and, um, I'm just going to, you know, so I, she started fussing with the computer and ignored me, but I could very clearly hear in my mind her saying, I'm going to pretend she's not there. And I, so I, of course I was offended and irritated and my telepathic message back to her was like, how dare you waste my time? I'm pregnant and I have a toddler, <laughs> so, you know, so I, I was aware that I was super annoyed and probably not very friendly to her. And when I got back out into the car, I just kind of laughed and, and asked my guides, you know, what the hell was up with that? And I understood in that moment that that's what telepathy looks like. The poor girl uh, probably just had a really busy day and needed a break. And her, when she saw me, it had nothing to do with me that she didn't want to help me. She just maybe needed a minute to catch a breath or, um, 
no, whatever it was tax time. So, um, I just saw an empty office and I was super annoyed that she turned away from me. So it, it was helpful for me to get some insight where, let me see why she said that. And then I can put myself in her shoes and then I can be not offended because I probably do that to people all the time too. You know, you just need a minute or whatever it takes to just get yourself together. And it has nothing to do with the person. It has to do with you, whomever is sending that message. So tele, um, telepathic people spend most of their lives offended. <laughs> so they're getting all this information, they're reading our minds, but they, they don't know that. And so they don't know that they need to take just a minute to put themselves in your shoes and find out why you're saying what you're saying telepathically. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all I have to say about telepathy. It's just the most common way that beings communicate with each other. I, I didn't, I'm going to say this, but I can't exactly remember the story. There was a, a wonderful book written about a neuro, a neurologist that had a stroke and she didn't have her faculties. You know, she couldn't talk and she couldn't respond. She couldn't move, but she was definitely getting communication that whole time. And I think her point was like, if you stepped into her room, you better have brought the best energy you could because she could feel it. She could read it. And in, to me, that story is about telepathy. It's about clairsentient. It's about claircognizance. And I am, I don't remember, but I would love to hear more stories of what her experiences was, um, visually, if, even though she couldn't open her eyes, could she see what people were wearing? I think that'd be a really fascinating conversation. Now let's move into six truths about intuition. Number one, everyone is born intuitive. All beings are guided. Um, it's not your guts. It's your intuition. This is a pet peeve of mine. And though I appreciate the digestion scientists and I understand what they're saying, it's not your gut talking to you. It's your clairs. <laughs> this really is a passion of mine. It's not your gut. It's your clairs and humanity. We would all be so better off if we knew how we were getting the information we are. And that always comes through our clairs. Okay. Number two, intuition is the language of the unseen world. So when we're talking to God, when we're talking to our spirits, our souls, our guides, our animals, our, our children, that don't have the maturity or they were not raised in a way that lets them express themselves. It is that unseen language, which is our clairs that helps us understand each other. It's the, it's the clair audience that helps me still talk to my grandmother. Who's been on the other side. I don't know, 20 years now. It's how I still talk to all my friends on the other side. It's my intuition. It's my Claire audience. It's yours. It's you have it available to you. It's your Claire audience that helps you get messages. You know, when you just kind of know your grandma said something or your mother said something, it's your Claire audience and it is absolutely real. It's just the language of the unseen world. The third truth is everything comes from the unseen world before it is real. Uh, for example, that lamp in my home, I had these really beautiful lamps and they look like bonnets. And then they had these like beautiful crystals hanging, which look like earrings. <laughs> so they kind of look like little old ladies, but that lamp was visioned in the unseen realm 
before before the creator made it real. So, you know, living this way for 41 years, it's, it's just the unseen world is just as real as the seen world. It's just that that lamp was not three dimensional before it was made with three dimensional material, right? That dream of yours is just as real. It's just, you need to make it three dimensional to get, um, the three-dimensional experience of it, okay? But they're not separate. It's just that that thing that is real in your mind in the realm of creation needs to become three-dimensional because that is the that is the dimension that we live in. It is the dimension of our bodies. Our souls are multidimensional, but our bodies are not. <laughs> so the 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 chairs, the lamps, the computer, the mirror, I mean all of it is it, it is real before it was three-dimensional. The fourth truth is only good comes from our intuition. So our intuition tells us whether that thing in the corner is a ghost or an angel. That's what makes us feel our decisions are correct or we did not hit the mark and it keeps telling us that we need to do it better or make it right. Um, it it is our intuition that tells us if we should continue a relationship or if it's time to end it. So our guidance, our intuition, our clairs, our, our, you know, let's just say our birth guide is always talking to us through our clairs. And they also go out of their way to give us physical messages, you know, where you see the numbers, you know, some people really love numbers and, um, you know, you hear a song on the radio that's loved ones and guides. They communicate, um, they try to communicate, um, physically, but they are naturally always speaking to us through our intuition. Now, what is true is that our intuition and understanding how it's working. Yes, we can see dark things because of it. Just like we have eyes and we can see both a sunset and the most disgusting thing we've ever seen on Facebook because of our eyes. And because we've seen something dark because of our intuition, it's not our intuition's fault <laughs> any more than it's our eyes fault that we just scrolled past something that was horrifying and you can't believe you just saw that with your eyes, you know, or life, right? With our eyes, with our, you know, all the cruel things we can hear with our ears does not make our ears the fault. And so when we are psychic and we're medium, and we've seen something dark or scary, or we read something very disturbing, you know, we downloaded an image or we've taken on somebody's feelings that is very dark and very gross. That is not your intuition's fault. That's just life, right? There are dark things are a part of life, unfortunately. And so when, when we're encouraged to not learn our intuition or, or use it because there might be dark things. So that's, it's just stupid. And it actually keeps us from all of the freaking amazing and beautiful things that our intuition shows us. And so just like with our eyes, just like with our ears, we don't want to shut down intuition. We don't want to not receive messages through our clairs because God forbid it could be dark or scary. <sighs> that's life. And we are strong enough to be able to see stuff. And there are sometimes we see stuff because we need to know about it. And 
you know, to hear a cruel world doesn't mean you cut your ears off. It It's part of being able to hear. Um, so because somebody can be cruel with their words doesn't mean that the beautiful music or the sound of your children's voice, like right now my son's voice is changing and that the knowledge that I can't hear his little boy voice with my ears anymore. I mean, thank God I can go watch a video, right? And I have the memories, but because of my ears, I get to hear his sweet little voice or I get to hear my daughter at 14 still call me mommy. I mean, so our intuition, I mean, we can see the angels. We can see our loved ones because of our clairvoyance. And unfortunately we can see some dark stuff too. Okay. So we've been created to be able to endure that, to be able to handle that. Okay. We're not, we're not weak and pathetic and we don't, we don't stop something or shut it down because God forbid there's something dark or scary. You can handle it. And we, we must focus on the beautiful and the positive sides of all of the gifts that we have as a being, as a soul, as a spirit. Number five, the most or the more natural intuition someone has, the easier it is for them to get guidance. So some people are simply born more intuitively like any other natural skill and in intuitives must practice to refine their gifts um, because it comes so much easier to them. So when I'm working with a student and I'm working with their skill, when I ask them to scan out and do something specific, the problem is not that they don't see anything. It's that they see way too much. And so if I say, Hey, listen for that. And you hear 30 voices versus one, like you don't ever, <laughs> right? So I'm, I also train mediums. And if I have, if I'm in a session and I have them scan out to my family on the other side, they, they're, everybody's talking and everybody's excited. And then you have guides behind and they're all talking and everybody's talking with each other. And the psychic just sort of seizes up and gets actually nothing because there's way too much. You know, if you're in a car and there's four people talking, you actually hear nobody and you feel a lot of pressure and you just kind of want to run and hide. So the, the people that are born highly intuitive, your problem, you know, if we're referring to psychic kids here, the problem with them is not that they get one thing. It's that you get way too much. And so it definitely takes time and skill and hopefully a, um, mentor or someone to help guide you to refine your gift so that you gain more control over it. So you're not overwhelmed by all the things you see and all the voices you hear and all the pressure you feel when we can refine it, we have so much more control over it. Um, so those of us born with high intuition, we must learn how to refine that to control it. And I have a lot of passion. I could talk for days about this subject, but you guys get what I'm saying. So number six, um, uh, number six, a truth about intuition is you live a more authentic life because of your intuition. So whether you know it or not, you're constantly being guided and people that get guidance and, um, they get a direction then we get to be more successful and happier because we're making more authentic choices in our life, right? So the first 25 years of my life, um, my intuition was shut down and I was always fighting with it. I was trying to close it down and no, that shouldn't happen. And no, no, no. 
and I was always making awful decisions and <laughs> my poor guides, like if they said turn left, I probably turned right. <laughs> so, um, when I finally, uh, you know, calmed down and started to take this seriously and started making better decisions, um, based off of the guidance I got my life, like looking back to those days, that feels actually like a, a different person because I don't even function like that anymore. I always use my guidance and guidance is not always, you know, it is not a Santa Claus situation. It is not like follow your guidance and you'll, you know, get this and you'll get that and you'll have that. This is about, even when you are called to go through a trial or to grow or to learn, accessing your guides and your, and accessing the guidance within your clairs can help you go through it with your head up and you know why you're going through it and you know what you got to do. And that doesn't prevent you from having to go through things, it, but it absolutely helps you go through it. And it go, you go through it so much faster than, let's just say if I had to go through a lesson in my 20s, it would have been like a nine-month nightmare, right? I'd get into something I shouldn't be, get into relationships I shouldn't have, and then I'd have to crawl out of all that. And then I'd have to, I, I mean, ideally I would have healed from it, but of course I didn't do that back then, but now, okay, I, I got to go through this. You know, I recently went through a horrible, um, wisdom tooth surgery that there's just tons of complications. And yeah, that, that did last several months. And, um, it, it was a big, huge soul thing I had to go through, but the, you know, day to day and the week to week and the moment to moment endurance of it, I was always checking in with the guides and something that could have really lasted two years I got through in like four months. So, um, that is what our, our, that is what is available to us when we, um, understand how our intuition works and we work with that. Our lives become so much more authentic and beautiful. All right. We're getting 40 minutes into this, um, podcast. So to, let me give you 10 reasons. It's awesome to have a psychic child. And again, I'm going to say this 10 reasons. I'm not going to go into big stories because I've talked a lot already, but I'm hoping that you can see yourself in these stories, even if you're not a child anymore, because <laughs> we were once children. And, um, I'm hoping that when I say these things that it can bring some healing to you, no matter what your age is. So number one, one of the reasons it's awesome to have a psychic child, they help you have a safe home. They know when something is in the house that shouldn't be there. Number two, they understand without a lot of words. And they naturally know who to trust and who to stay away from. So we don't encourage our children. Hey, you know, you really should be friends with that kid. Like maybe they shouldn't. I mean, they should be kind and respectful for sure. But there are some people, psychic kids don't want to be around. And that's absolutely a good thing. Number three, if they are mediums, they can give you messages from loved ones on the other side. So instead of being like totally shocked or thinking this shouldn't be happening or thinking your child's a God child, um, mediums are, I mean, probably in the millions, if not billions. And, um, we are just so natural and normal and God did not give the ability to communicate with, to the other side, to just one of us. God gave us all the ability to communicate to the other side. So if your child just happens to be doing that naturally, just go with that. Just go with that. 
and listen and, and, and encourage. And, you know, sometime we'll talk about parameters around that, but I mean, think of the gift that they can give you and it's natural and lovely. Okay. Number four, they are more caring and empathetic because they can read the situation. So again, you know, we have, it's okay for girls to be sensitive and tuned in, but you know, here in America, we still have a really hard time supporting our boys that are very empathetic and compassionate. And so, you know, these are traits we encourage no matter the sex. In fact, if our daughters don't have that compassion and caring and empathy, that's okay too. (laughs) Like they are what they are. And so this has nothing to do with our gender. This has to do with our intuition. Number five, they, they know when you're telling the truth. So if you're an honest parent, they trust you with their whole heart. Um, so I don't need a lot of language again between me and my kids. They can read me. I can read them. Um, if you have a psychic kid in the house, I, you must be honest, right? Whom, if we're in relationships, I always say the cruelest thing you can do to a psychic is lie to us because it's true. We're getting the message. So like, let's just be honest and move forward. Um, number six, they don't have to do a lot of physical things to know what they're interested in. So sensitives are, uh, um, they do often hang out sort of in the emotional, mental, spiritual realm. So they're kind of always in their head. Um, and so if anything, we have to encourage psychic kids or sensitive beings to be more physical. Um, so they don't need a lot of physicality, but they do need to learn to be more physical. Number seven, they are good leaders and know right from wrong. So ah, sensitive kids are just, they're just so tuned in and they try to be very good for other people because they feel like if you can read, if they can read you, you can read them. Um, and so it's just not really hard for them to do the right thing because they don't need a lot of language around that because they're sensing it. Number eight, um, they they care about who's in their space and their aura. So, the, you know, a reason it's awesome to have a psychic child is they're aware of that. And so again, this is kind of going against old fashioned training where you should be a friends with that person. You should include that person. You should, you know, all these things where if you have a sensitive kid, a psychic kid, a medium kid, if you are yourself, remember, it's really important that your aura stay pure and safe and lovely. And so we don't want to invite beings that can't, um, you know, people that don't have that frequency into our space. We're just too sensitive for it. And so we, um, like I'm so sensitive. I can, I can really only tolerate, you know, if somebody has a good kind heart, I can kind of endure anything where my husband, who's not as sensitive, he, he can kind of hang out with whomever. And he doesn't go home affected (laughs) because he's just not as sensitive as I am. So he can get away with like hanging out with whoever. And there's not a big price to pay at the end. Psychic kids, always a price to pay. If we invite things that are not in the vibrational match with us, there's always like some consequence for that. So number nine, they have high standards as their energy must be good for them to feel safe and happy. I kind of just covered that in the last one. Um, so psychic, psychic sensitive kids, need to have very high quality, honest energy around them. And so we, they, we do demand higher standards from people because, um, we just kind of know the consequence of an energetic, like 
you know, tantrum or what have you. And number 10, um, they can't sweep things under the carpet. So they're, it's so great to have a psychic kid because they won't let things go, which is actually a good thing. That means that they're kind of not okay until something is resolved and things should be resolved. Um, they must be resolved. You know, we can all think of the things that we still carry from our childhood that still haunt us or still annoy us or still bother us. That is a sign of your psychicness, your sensitivity that you knew better and something was not resolved. So if we can just see that within each other and we can be honest and we can address things, then, I mean, just think about what high quality vibration you have, your home has, your family has. It's just a wonderful thing. And so finally, let's talk about how do you know your, your kid is psychic? You know, what are they, what are the things that they do that other kids maybe don't do? Um, I think the biggest indication is that they say weird things, right? They, they say, and again, we learn very, very little to keep our mouths shut about things that other people are not, you know, we're very good observers. And if other people are not talking about the grandpa that passed away 20 years ago, they learned to not talk about that. But, but in general, if you're paying attention when they're little, they say funny things like that, like look at the lady or what's over there by the wall, or what are those sparkles that go up to the ceiling? They say funny things. Um, you know, the weird figure or the weird shadow or the, um, there's all kinds of way they describe with colors, you know, sparkly, dark, tall, white. Did you see that shadowy thing? What was that? You know, I, f I feel something standing out of the corner of my eye. And yes, sometimes that's just maybe your hair. And sometimes it's actually something standing there. So we have to be mature and um, open-hearted enough. We have to be strong enough to listen to what the children are saying. And, and again, whether that's an actual child or you trying to figure out your own sensitivity and your own psychic abilities. Um, so if they're clairaudient, meaning clear hearing, they can hear voices. Um, they have conversations with imaginary friends. Uh, they laugh for no reason. Um, let's see. They, um, they channel things that they shouldn't be saying. You know, so things come out of little psychics mouths that they shouldn't be um, saying out loud or they shouldn't have information to. So uh, I remember being really tiny, probably about four. And I, ha I did not have this thought before I was around uh, a friend of mine and we were playing and uh, maybe it was a sleepover because I remember it was kind of dark and we were next to each other and for no reason, like I had no thought or feeling of feeling this way. I said to my friend, like, I'm so sorry you're so much prettier than I am or you know, it was something, something like that. And I remember thinking to myself, why did I say that? I wasn't thinking that I don't feel that way. And so kids are always, um, psychic kids, especially the clairaudience and the tel telepathic ones, they say stuff that other people are thinking and they say it out loud. It's kind of like, um, what comes first? My husband will often say something I'm thinking 
or I'm picking up his thoughts, therefore I was thinking his thoughts, and then a second later he'll say it. So which comes first? I don't know. Both of them work really fast. And he certainly can be telepathic, because we all can be. Um, and so if your child says stuff that gets them in trouble, maybe before yelling at them or scolding them for saying stuff, just sort of try to ask them more ask them questions why they said that or where did they how did they know that or where did that come from and that can help both of you um, slow down information enough to find out if your child is very clairaudient and then you can start teaching them boundaries because a balanced psychic kid can learn boundaries so they don't have to constantly channel people's thoughts and emotions and say stuff and get in trouble for things that that maybe they shouldn't have said for sure, but there is a reason that they said it. Um, really sensitive psychic kids can feel angry for no reason. Um, they can feel the sadness of others. Sensitives often are the panicky ones, and sensitives often carry extra body weight. Um, so let's talk about <laughs> anger for no reason. So my daughter, who is an angel being, and the angels are the most sensitive, so they have the hardest time slowing information down slowing energy down and so there's a couple of restaurants around town that if we walk in the doors my daughter is immediately full of anger and if I say oh my god honey you know why are you angry what's going on she cannot answer it she has no idea why all of a sudden she feels so out of control and so Thankfully, I'm her mother, and I can scan the area and see energetically what's going on there, whether that's an, a spirit or an entity or just the energy of the building or the location. There's there's always a reason why she feels that way. But imagine, you know, certainly in the old days, but imagine if she had a parent that's like, you know, what the hell is wrong with you? Every time I take you out to eat, you get mad, and I'll just never take you out to eat ever again. That That's how I think parents used to handle that and I'm encouraging you whether it's for yourself if there's a certain restaurant or a location that you go to and you just feel so mad or so sad or whatever that feeling is honor that respect that try to pay attention to that don't personalize it okay the the fact that we try to go to this bagel shop that my daughter absolutely can't stand she wants to go there she wants to go have a bagel but she cannot handle the energy in the building and so I don't scold her for that. I mean, if we really need one of those bagels, well, I'll just go in or we'll go to the other one where she's not so energy sensitive. So, um, you know, if your kid walks around super sad, that could be, they could be very clairsentient. And so we must learn to respect that in our children, in each other. And if you can find a mentor or a meditation that can help them manage their energy, that can help them process energy. They won't have to carry other people's sadnesses. Now, the clairsentients pick up emotions and they pick up people's physical illnesses and they carry that within their own bodies. So it's really a big deal. Um, so at a minimum, we want those kids meditating, you know, something where they can balance their chakras, where they can really start to know the difference between themselves and other people's energies and, you know, think about auras, their, their personal aura is what protects us energetically from each other. <laughs> you know, if my aura is shredded, you know, if I'm too tired or I'm too, you know, I've gone through something emotional, my aura just can't keep up. 
um, I've, I've recently gone through an illness and my aura was just totally shredded and I, I was, I did not have the time to work on my aura. Um, then I cannot handle other people's emotions and physical illnesses because I pick that up. And so we must learn to deal with that. We must, and or our psychic, clairsentient children must. It's not their fault. It's how they're wired. And it's a beautiful thing. But we do need to take the time to um, help them balance and and learn to have firm boundaries with themselves and others. Um, this is where panic comes in. You know, I've, I've shared the story about, you know, somebody walking in the room and all of a sudden I feel panicky and, you know, every single person has at a minimum five loved ones with them at a minimum four guides with them. And then they, they have their own feelings as a being thoughts, energies, emotions, and then all of the beings around them have personalities. So depending on the vibration or the quality of energy, your, you or your child is around can really, I mean, panic can set in very quickly. Now the question is why and what is the source of it? And then the, you know, the third thing is what do I do about that? Do I leave the room? Do I get away from the person? You know, what can I do to feel better? Um, and the fourth is how can I tell other psychics in society? Most of them carry extra body weight. (laughs) I mean, we, are like the cliche gypsy, you know, very robust and very, um, kind of don't want to move. And that's a whole other podcast about why that is. But at a minimum, it's because they carry energies within the body and it's very, very hard to process that out. And most, most people are not raised to even know they're psychic, let alone how maybe clairsentient, again, again, clairfeeling, we're not taught that we carry other people's energies and emotions and illnesses. And so no wonder they carry extra body weight. It's very rare that I come across a super thin and fit and balanced, um, psychic, let alone medium, because the mediums have to deal with not only the human people that are physical, but all of the spirits, all of the different type of spirits, you know, I, I have a loved one in my family that passed away from a stroke and the other mediums can pick up her headache. I mean, so it's tragic, right? So I have to, um, well, I work with my grandmother so that she doesn't have to carry that energy because it, it's just a drop in the bucket in terms of the totality of her soul. But I have to be thoughtful of the mediums around me because they will pick up that, that point in time and they will be affected by it. And so that's something I take very seriously. Okay, so our children, if they're carrying extra weight, um, why are they burdened by other people's energy and how, you know, again, this can go back to a meditation or learning to have boundaries between what is theirs and what is somebody else's. Okay. And finally, I know this one's going on, but I probably could talk several more hours about psychic kids and I'll just do more part, more podcasts in the future. But, um, finally eight best things to do for your psychic kid. Number one, the best thing to do is to listen to them without correction or judgment. Just listen to them. You can get a lot of information if you just listen and don't be terrified. Don't be scared. I mean, The scary thing is to be a psychic kid and nobody wants to listen to you. Nobody cares. And worse yet, people don't believe you. That is the worst thing we can do for each other is just um, 
devalidate or however you want to say that is not validate what is very real to psychic medium kids. Okay. Number two is to learn more about yourself, about your own intuition. I mean, you might have a very psychic child and they could be getting it from you. So I beg you, <laughs> one of the best things we can do for all of us, for each other is to learn more about how intuition works. So it's a, not such a big deal. I mean, we should not be shocked to talk about, we should not be shocked to say the word psychic. We should not be shocked and doubtful to hear the word medium. It's beyond common. Okay. And, um, everyone has intuition, everyone. I mean, animals out our front door have intuition too. So of course we do as well. Number three, ask thoughtful questions. So if your little one says, oh, look at the sparkly being in the corner, or look at that sparkly being that goes through the roof. If you can't see it, ask thoughtful questions like, you know, does it, you know, how far up does it go and how wide is it? And what colors are you seeing? Or um, if they're really scared of that black shadow, ask thoughtful, respectful questions. And please don't, um, don't, what's the word? Is it disvalidate or unvalidate? Just listen and ask thoughtful, respectful questions because it is very real. It's very real to them, but it's also real. Okay. Number four, um, you know, you could find a kind counselor that either understands intuition or doesn't discount it. Right. So I'm, I'm totally pro, um, counselor. I in fact go to a counselor probably once a month and more if there's something going on emotionally for me, just because I can get insight and just because I know why something's happening doesn't mean I know how to deal with it necessarily. So if you go to a counselor and they tell you, they, they just don't believe what you're saying, find a different one, obviously. Um, but putting your kid in counseling or any way where especially psychic kids that are so sensitive, if there is a safe place for them to go and talk about how they feel, what they're afraid of, what things feel like to them. And it's, it's, God pray that the counselor understands intuition. Wouldn't that be my biggest dream that everybody's educated in intuition and the therapist can get over the f weird part of it, but deal about how emotional it can be. It, that could be a beautiful thing. Number five, respect their need for boundaries. The worst thing we can do for psychic sensitive kids is force them to be around things they can't handle. So when they get older and they have better boundaries, they can handle more because they have hopefully more maturity and hopefully more access to confidence and some tools to help them deal with people that they don't feel safe with. But if they're not feeling safe, or if they don't want to go or do something, respect that. Take that very seriously. Because in a big way, they actually can't handle it. In a way you might not even be able to conceive of, okay? Um, number six, buy a 10-minute meditation CD for them to listen to daily. Again, meditation... I really resisted this too and thought it was super pointless. And then my whole life changed when I was able to find the right meditation CD and I have one in the works that I hope to get to you soon. I will do one focused specifically on kids um, because if they can center themselves um, 
and calm their energy daily, that will help them have the strength to go out in the world and do it all over again tomorrow. <laughs> right? We adults need meditation too, for the very reason. Um, number seven, um, have them journal what they think and what they feel, what they see. So a, that it's not bottled up inside at a minimum, but also journaling helps us really start to, it makes intuition more real. So when I was very serious about understanding, finally learning, learning to understand and trust my intuition, or let's be honest, figure out what the hell it was in the first place. I used to meditate and then journal what I saw. And then with time, I kept seeing these very similar patterns. And only then did I really realize how clairvoyant I was. And um, only when I started a slow clairaudient information down through writing it, did I realize how clairaudient I was. And with like six months of that, I was able to finally hear the actual tone of the information. Um, so instead of saying you're going home, it was like, yeah, you're coming home. Like, yeah, good luck with that. You're not supposed to go. We don't want you there, but you're going to go anyway. Cause you're super strong willed and you're coming home. Okay. Which is a very different message. Number eight, find an amazing and qualified psychic medium to begin mentorship so they understand how to receive information. I mean, again, like when my cousin, when they realized he was a piano prodigy or a musical prodigy, they got him a tutor from like age four. They found him a teacher and I don't think he's ever lived without a teacher and he's into his forties. Maybe now I, I don't know, but this is just as normal. This is just as a beautiful gift as having a musical prodigy in the family. If your kid is seeing spirits and hearing voices and it's not maybe a different type of thing, I, we could talk about, we will talk about that at another time, but I'm talking about standard average hearing voices. Cause again, around every single human, there are at least four guides. There are at least five family members and that's always, so kids are hearing a lot of different voices. Um, it, to get them somebody like a psychic medium that is as normal as possible. I'm not interested in the super cliche or theatrical types, but very, this is an, a natural part of normal everyday life. This is something your child is going to experience for the rest of their life. And we want to integrate it so that they live a very beautiful, grounded, normal life. And normal is in the most beautiful, fascinating way, which all of us have access to this type of spiritual normalcy because it's our birthright to experience these things. It's not something separate, supernatural or special. It's super normal, actually. Um, yeah, let's, you know, to conclude this long podcast, I have a lot of passion about this. Um, Again, like I just said, it's, it, it's normal. It's normal if you're a 40, it's normal if you're 60, it's normal if you're 75 and it's normal if you're four, if it's, if you're highly intuitive, you were born that way. And I want you to take it very serious and protect that and, um, be joyful in your pursuit of understanding it and living your fullest potential within that gift that you have, um, I believe my, my cousin ended up at Juilliard at 16 and then did the New York, um, Philharmonic. 
and eventually um, had a place in the Seattle Symphony. I don't know. I haven't talked to him for a long time. But my point is, is that your gift is special too. It's special. It's your normal special gift, but it's special because it's how you were made. And when you can integrate it, you can make your normal life um, just as beautiful, just as um, creative. You, your life will reflect your gift. And I'm encouraging you because it's a painful thing to see a sensitive being like in a banker's job where this part of them is so shut down and they live very compartmentalized. That's a heartbreaking thing to see, which most psychic mediums have lived that way on this planet up until now. But this is a new dawn. This is a new era. And I want to, you know, if your kid is psychic medium, that does not mean they have to be a professional psychic medium. But that does mean that along your life, they can give you messages. They can give their friends messages. That, that This is something that they have to deal with every single day. And we want them to have boundaries and some control around it as much as we can. Okay. That's where the, the beauty part comes in when we feel safe and we love this part of ourselves and we're not compartmentalized and we fracture that off to be something quote unquote, normal, acceptable, um, approvable by society that doesn't understand who or what you are. Okay. Well, that's it for this week. If you're curious about which Claire is the strongest in you, go to katesaintclair.com and take my quiz, which Claire are you? It's good for all of us to know which Claire is the strongest in us. And you hopefully have all of your Claire's that are really strong in you. That's a balanced human being. Thank you for being here with me. Subscribe to this podcast if you want to catch next week's episode. Uh, looks like we're going to talk about... Um, our podcast is called Please Believe Me, How to Deal with Non-Believers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I look forward to that one because that's another one that a lot of um, sensitives deal with. And I have a lot to say about how we overcome that because it was certainly something I had to overcome. Oh, have a wonderful week. And remember, it's your birthright to be guided and be great. <laughs>